I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. All right, this is our Juneteenth episode. This episode will be releasing on June 19th. What is Juneteenth? Juneteenth is a relatively recent holiday, becoming a federal well, holiday. Well, a relatively recent holiday for white people. <laughs> yeah, okay, officially recognized <laughs> national holiday. Let's go with that. As, yeah. it was, as, as it became a national recognized federal holiday in 2021, Juneteenth celebrates the emancipation of the slaves in on June 19th, 1865. Of course, the name coming from the portmanteau of June and 19th, Juneteenth. Yeah. As for as for uh, what we decided to do, it took us a while. When once we've discovered, oh hey, this episode we have an episode coming out on Juneteenth, we should do something relative to that day. There was a lot of ideas that we bounced off each other. Uh, including an episode we've already done in uh, Hidden Figures, which is also a good movie to watch on Juneteenth. We also decided to kind of go with the movie Ruby Bridges, which is the true story of Ruby Bridges, one of the first black children to go to a white school. This movie uh, kind of had a bit of controversy earlier this year. When it was uh, pulled from a school in, get, yep, yep, you're not going to be shocked about this, Florida. After a parent felt that the movie would, it was inappropriate to be shown in schools because it would show that white people disliked black people. As the hateful white people were too hateful and too mean, and that is not something a child should watch. Even though this was part of Black History Month curriculum for years in that school, from what I've read. And this is a TV movie of the week. This aired on television. On and ABC. As on part ABC. of the wonderful world of Disney. Yeah. So yeah, this is a Disney movie. Television movie. And this is a television movie from the 90s. And boy, does it look like a television movie from the 90s. Yeah. The the good news about that story is that that decision to pull it was not upheld. The parent complained. Their exact quote in the complaint was, this will teach children that white people hate black people. And the uh, committee, which was made up of... Um, Teachers, administrators, and parents in the community, um, including a uh, some sort of curriculum specialist or library specialist that had been brought in, they all watched the film together, they read the review, and they looked at it, and this is my quote here, they, they finally decided that your objection is stupid and you should feel stupid for making it. Um, so, yeah, they, they decided not to pull the movie 
and the movie was allowed to continue being shown. Uh, which but is considering it's Florida, correct, correct decision in Florida. Thank you for making a correct decision. Yeah, but considering it's Florida. Yeah, I mean, who who knows what'll happen six months from now? But uh, yeah, uh, in in that case, that case was decided uh, reasonably uh, after one parent complaint, and it literally was one parent. Yeah, from, um, what, from my understanding of the story, they uh, they were a, they show they gave permission slips to every parent in the class. Every parent was given the opportunity to watch. Uh, a clip from the film to to uh, get an idea of what their children would be watching, and that was the decision of that one parent uh, to not sign the permission slip and make a fuss over the movie. Yeah, I mean, this is history. This is thing. This is a, an event that actually happened. This is American history and relatively recent history because Ruby Bridges is still alive. Yes, as of this recording, she is still living um, at the current age of 68. So, yeah, so, when, which is yeah. really crazy considering there are people who talk about events of this era, the, the 1960s, the civil rights movement, as, oh, it was so long ago, we don't even really need to talk about that anymore. Like, there are people who are still alive who are affected by that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we've said before, you know, I I live in the South. I live in the deep South. Um, and my mother told me stories about when the high school she went to, which was eventually the high school that I went to, um, was set to be integrated. And how worried she was that there would be violence because the white students threatened violence um, and their parents threatened violence. Um, and my, my mother said that she didn't particularly have any strong feelings at the time about the integration of the schools, but she was very worried that other students were going to cause violence. Knowing her parents, they probably did have strong feelings about the integration of the schools. I, I will just say that. Um, but my my mother was always a bit more progressive. Um, so, you know, she was she was never worried that the the other students coming in would be the one causing the violence. She was always worried that the, the white students would be the, the pushback causing the violence, she said. Um, and fortunately for her and for our town, the integration went more or less smoothly in the sense that there weren't outright violence. I'm not saying that it went smoothly for the individual students who I'm sure had a difficult time at first. Yeah. Um but unlike Ruby Bridges uh 
there was no need for National Guard or an enlarged police presence or things like that. There's that famous photo of six-year-old Ruby Bridges being escorted out of the school by three U.S. Marshals. Yeah. Um, Six. Six years old. Yeah. And there's an army of people wishing her death for just wanting to go to school. You know, the thing that I'm going to say about this movie, and and here's here's the thing in talking about this movie, is that this movie, from everything that I could find, is the movie does leave some stuff out, but everything contained within the movie is factual. Which is rare for a biopic. Yeah, they didn't really, from what I could tell in researching this film, they did not really add anything that was like, oh, that didn't happen to dramatize the film. There was a lot of stuff they could have added that would have dramatized the film that they left out. But everything in the film when I was like, oh, I wonder if they added that for drama. Nope, that happened. And this movie for a, I don't know if you found this, but I found this, for a TV movie of the week, after school special kind of feel, because boy does this feel like, and next on a very special episode, we talk about the struggle of a girl who, you know, like, it feels like that. If you ever watched all those, you know, if you're our age and you watched those as a kid, it really feels like that in the the tone and the presentation and the background music and the <laughs> the level of the acting. acting, the quality of actors. Yeah, no, no, no disrespect to any of the actors in this movie. But... Yeah, the script is at a very basic level. You know, there's like, one. Like, t- this was clearly meant to be shown to children. The dialogue. Yeah, this was very much made to be shown to children in school when the teacher is sick that day. Yeah. Like, um, dialogue is very simplistic. Yeah, you can tell this was written for, you know, to be shown to ages 7 to 12 in a school setting. You know, this even, is very much an educational picture. And, and yeah, and they even... They even... Mm, they, they could have used a lot more colorful language... Especially of the of the angry parents cursing out young Ruby. Okay, but what I was going to say was, for a film made for that particular, you know, type of demographic, mm-hmm. this film goes shockingly hard. Yeah. And I give it all of the credit for that, that there are some punches they did not pull and mad respect for it. Like, they never say the N-word, but they write it. Like, right on... Oh, well, it, th- well, they say a lot no of adult. permutations of the N-word. No adult says the N-word in this movie. I will say... Yeah, I will they, say don't, they don't hard R the N-word. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of permutations that, let me tell you, growing up in the South, 
I heard every one of those permutations out of somebody's mouth growing up. And the, and the N-word is written on the wall of the school. It looks like one of the parents wrote it with, with KKK right under it. Yeah, and interestingly, they cut off the R, which <laughs> which is also a choice <laughs> that I did kind of laugh at. And they have um, one of the kids say it. Yeah, yeah, but once again, he kind of has a lisp. So he says it, it like a baby. So it comes off once again without the hard R, which is again a choice. Um, but there are some permutations that they use in there with like feminizing it and everything, which I will tell you in the South growing up, there were people who thought that was a kinder way to refer to black women like that was you're not insulting them it's just a feminized version of negro which nah that that ain't it <laughs> That has, I will tell you, that has phased out in the past few decades. You will really not hear that anymore. But when I was growing up, mainly among older people, that's what you would you would hear older people refer to like, you know, well, when I was growing up, I had a nanny and... She was so wonderful, and that was the word they would use to refer to her. And you hear it a lot in this movie, referred to Little Ruby, and man, did that hit at me. Because I was a little kid again, you know, hearing all these old women talk about, you know, the nanny that raised them, and thinking, like, you don't think that's, like, horrible at all, do you? Like, you you just don't hear it coming out of your mouth, do you? But, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so weird. Like, I don't know how, how this, this hits for somebody that didn't grow up in that culture, but. Man, for me watching this, I was like, oh, man. I, I grew up around these people that would have been standing outside that school shouting at that little girl. And I mean, it's still there. Only the the target has been changed. You know, it's. It, I mean, it, yes, in some cases, it's still towards black people, but it's also now towards immigrants, and then there's and then towards the gay people now to the trans community. Yeah, and you know, there's a scene in the movie where the the Jewish owners of the the grocery store ref, ask them not to show up at the store anymore. Um, and he reminds them, like, you know, Ruby's father reminds them, like, hey, the black community was the only one that would come to a Jewish-owned grocery store when y'all first moved in. The, the white folks weren't coming here, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and now you're you're kicking the black folks out and, you know. Yeah. Where, where's that where's that solidarity in turn um and he's not wrong and and once again i looked it up and that's a thing that did happen um 
the thing about there's a point in the movie where they they spend a lot of time on this actually the the thing about uh ruby being scared to eat yeah there's that scene where the 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 one mother says we're going to poison you we're going to poison you and which which now which forces ruby to no longer eat cooked food because she believes that they're going to the stores and poisoning all of the food just so she can't eat it so she only eats pro- uh, packaged food like potato chips and coke yeah and the thing is is that that was real and but they show like all the students bringing their food from home and so it doesn't seem and like all the teachers too you know like everybody's bringing their food from home but from what i read it seems like what happened was they were so worried about somebody actually trying to poison ruby's food that she was only allowed to eat lunches from home so she couldn't eat any meals served by the school because they were afraid that if they brought her food into the room somebody was going to try to poison it uh i don't know if the thing they show at one point that her teacher because she was even once other students And this is true because at first she was the only student in the school because the other parents pulled all of their children out of school. So for the first few days, she was the only student in the school. And then that minister and his little girl broke the line and he brought his daughter into the school and then a few parents followed him and all but they wouldn't let their students have ruby in the class so for that first full year uh ruby was taught alone in a classroom with a single teacher that part is true but they show in the movie the teacher saying, well, if she can't go into the classroom with the white students, then we'll bring the white students for a couple of hours a day into her classroom for, like, playtime or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that part is true. I couldn't find verification about that part of the story very easily. So that may be the one thing in the movie that they added but i don't know um however i do know that she was the only student in her class for that first year Mm -hmm. but that may be how they got around it like well she's not actually in their class but they have a a playtime for an hour a day or something and the way they do that playtime scene is kind of heartbreaking because they're you know the kids are playing duck duck goose and they keep on skipping over ruby and they have reading time and ruby is reading a book and the kids are putting fingers in their ears so they don't have to listen to her 
Like, you know, like, and again, the one kid saying, my mom says I can't play with you because you're N-word. So it's like, you know, like, it's it's kind of harping, you know, this this kid just wants to learn and everything's going against her. Again, and this was a true, you know, I don't know how much of that is true, the playtime stuff. Yeah. And as you said, everything else in the movie seemingly actually happened to her. Yeah, in, including I mean I was I was kind I was kind of thinking that some of the stuff that the and I don't know why I was thinking this. I mean, I live in a place where every second pickup truck has Confederate flags plastered all over it to this day. So, I don't know why I was I was thinking that that was out of the thing, but like the woman who brings the the little black baby doll in a coffin like she actually made a coffin for a black baby doll and keeps bringing it to the protest line and screaming like we're gonna put you in here we're gonna hang you until you're dead yeah i mean they threatened to lynch the poor girl in very explicit terms and, and yeah, this is this this is stuff that really happened. This is not, you know, and Yeah, and I looked it up and like all of those people really did that. The the baby doll in the coffin, the woman that that screamed about poisoning her, the the people who screamed about lynching her, the you know. And it I mean, she wasn't the only one obviously, but this was happening all over the south as integrated schools was going around because you know, they wanted to keep segregation, whites only, and, you know, like, this was history. This is American history, like it or not. This happened. Yeah, I mean, there is a scene in the movie where Ruby is the only one that shows up to the school, and Mrs. Bridges said, you know, why, uh, where are the other kids? We were told there were going to be six other kids um and the principal or whatever the, the administrator woman that's kind of the villain the stand-in villain <laughs> for yeah. the i mean you know you've got to have like the one person to kind of be the central mouthpiece for all this hate mm -hmm. um so they have the the kind of administrator woman that's there on the the day, you know, every day for the school, uh, kind of voicing the state side version. Because the governor of Louisiana wasn't for it, but you know, it was a a national thing they were they were pushing, of course. Um. And she says that the other parents probably had more sense than to put their children through it. Um, well, there were six students that had been chosen by the NAACP. And, yeah. and this was the part that I didn't know about the, the six children that were chosen. Was that they were chosen because of their high academic ability. Yeah, the, the, the movie really pushes Ruby's intelligence, that she is very advanced for someone her own age. And and that, to me, is kind of the sad part 
the NAACP felt, and I know why they felt that, and and that's the thing that really, really hurts, is that the feeling in the black community that it couldn't just be any black child that integrated. It had to be exceptional black children. I mean, you had to, you had to show that um, this is going to sound really bad, but the NAACP is not, it wouldn't look good on them if they sent a kid and he was the slow kid or the, or something like that. So they well, have yeah, I mean, the, it's it's the, the idea of the model minority, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's even true to this day, whether you're black, brown, or even a woman, work twice as hard for half the credit. Yeah. And I think anybody that's any part of any marginalized group knows that feeling of having to prove that you know i can i can be you know even better than you despite the you know whatever it is mm-hmm. and i just and and of course i had never really thought about it but it makes sense in retrospect that they wouldn't pick just any child you know but it's ridiculous that I had just never thought of it because of course that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ruby said in later years that she didn't realize it at the time. Cause of course she was only six, but every bit of clothing that she's wearing in all of those historical pictures mm-hmm. was donated to her family because her family couldn't afford clothing that nice. But she needed to look pretty and pristine every single day. She couldn't wear the same dress twice. She couldn't wear that, you know. Mm-hmm. So all of these like really expensive, beautiful, photogenic dresses and nice clean white socks and shiny patent leather shoes were donated to the family so that she would always look beautiful and kind of wealthy when she went into school, even though they lived in a poor neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, seeing is believing you got, if you, you know, got to look the part, unfortunately. Yeah. And yes, especially in this situation, because if she went there with, you know, torn clothes. No, it doesn't matter how intelligent she is. She's still going to be seen as lesser than, despite the fact that she, they're all, they already see her as lesser than because she's black. Yeah. Her resilience in the, the situation is still one of the most amazing things. Yeah, because we get, we get the psychiatrist, Dr. Coles, Played by Kevin Pollack, one of the few recognizable stars in this movie. And she he even questioned, you know, like anyone else in this situation would be showing trauma and just fall apart, but Ruby doesn't. And he 
you know, connects that to the strong family bond that Ruby has with her mother, father, her, her, and her, and her siblings. That they're like her rock to keep her going. I did like that aspect of the movie. That it wasn't just like, oh, she's an exceptional individual because, you know, whatever. It's that she had a strong community around her. She had family who believed in her. She had, you know, people in her life. You know, she had friends. We see that one friend that even though her dad doesn't want her playing with Ruby, the friend keeps being like, no, you're my friend. I'm going to come over and play at your house, even though my dad doesn't like it. You know, like, <laughs> um, and that's kind of cute, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it goes to this, the strong ties of black family and black community just sticking together because they kind of have to. Because especially going back here, you know, if, if they don't stick up for each other, no one will. Yeah, I do. I do like that it. It did show that. Not all people in the black community were for integration. I mean, even her father. Wasn't really on board with the idea yeah i mean he was a soldier he fought in the war and he said you know even he even when he was fighting side by side with white soldiers they still treated him like another he was still a black soldier he wasn't a real soldier even after he risked his life to save a, a white soldier it just he was never seen as an equal among the ranks so yeah he, they they say in the movie that he got a purple heart in korea in an integrated uh, company, you know, where whatever he served in, um, I don't, I don't remember if they they said the actual branch. I'm sorry, but um, the the thing is, is like I said when when I said that they could have put more into this movie to make it more dramatic. I do know that. Ruby's parents did separate kind of as a result of all the stress of this. I don't know exactly what year that they did, whether it was kind of after the the first year or whatever, but um it this whole decision to have Ruby at the center of the integration uh, really was kind of the thing that stressed the marriage between her parents. And especially, with, especially with her dad, because he's a mechanic. He, we see him wearing the coveralls for the for the first half of the movie. So he gets fired from his job. Because the co his fellow workers don't want to work with a black man whose daughter goes to a white school, despite as he says he's the best worker in the in that garage, never had never had a complaint, never had a dissatisfied customer, but he was let go because his coworkers were uncomfortable with his daughter going to a white school. The as you said, the some neighbors are yelling at him specifically because now there are cop cars and U.S. marshals 
in their neighborhood just to protect Ruby from any attack by by psycho white racists. The government knew, and I assume they don't really specify this in the movie, but you know, knowing how these things went at the time, I assume they were already getting threats. Yeah. Um, and that as soon as it was known who the girl was and where she lived, that that whole neighborhood would be in danger. So, you know, they put up uh, cordons and barricades and immediately the guards started learning, you know, who all the people were who lived in that neighborhood. And right at the beginning, we have that one cop kind of stop her dad saying, hey, we need you to give us some ideas that we know that you're that you're living here because we want to make sure everyone here is supposed to be here. Yeah, and at first it's really tense because, you know, you see a bunch of white cops in a black neighborhood and you know that's not going to go well. Um, but for once, it it is actually like they're, they're there to make sure nobody comes in and, you know, because if, if you're not really aware of what was going on at the time, I mean, we were having children Ruby's age killed in firebombings and you know I mean people's houses were being targeted because they were involved in the civil rights movement and um, there were assassinations going on so it was a massive concern which is why we get the U.S. Marshals escorting Ruby to and from school yeah um, but I mean, all sorts of things happened, not only to her immediate family, but like her grandparents lived in Mississippi. I mean, you know, she lived in Louisiana, of course. So that's where the, the film takes place, you know, but, um, her grandparents lived in Mississippi and, were uh sharecroppers on some land and the landlords threw them off the land because their granddaughter was involved in this one of the one of again i don't know if this was actually happening or this was invented for the movie but there is a running storyline here of Ruby as an uh, Ruby drawing pictures with the psychiatrist how she draws white people perfectly and then when she comes to drawing black people she draws them deformed because this this sense of white people being perfect and there's something wrong with black people that into that's not drilled into her head that I guess from the fact that she's a black girl going to a white school and the, one of the great, you know, points that this movie does is uh, Ruby's mother, very religious, you know, pray for these people with hate in their hearts and hopefully they'll find the way and Ruby ends up praying for the, 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 the protesters that they would find, you know, get rid of the hate in their heart. And, you know, she kind of makes this complaint, you know, why would, why would, you know, Jesus wouldn't give us anything that we couldn't handle. And her father takes that picture of Jesus and saying, this isn't really what Jesus looks like. 
we don't know what Jesus really looked like because no one who was alive was there. This is someone's interpretation of what Jesus looked like. And yes, the most famous picture, the painting, is of a white man. So if you show this this picture of this white man to your child to your black child, they're gonna think God is white. So of course that's already drilled into her head that white people are special and something's wrong with black people. Which I was not expecting that in this kind of movie. Especially, you know, that being thing, that's also a bit of a controversial thing now, still in 2023. That if you even question the idea of Jesus not being a white man, it's sacrilegious or something. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit more, there has been a bit more pushback, you know. Mm. You know, there's there's a famous bit in the in the Boondocks, uh, which is a genius cartoon. If you've never watched, I highly recommend it. Uh, where Huey says that he refuses to watch uh, Passion of the Christ because it has white Jesus. <laughs> um, so you know, it's like. Um, yeah, I mean it it is a an interesting bit in there that I also kind of didn't expect to see. Um like I said this movie kind of really goes hard at at certain things for a wonderful world of Disney weird educational film. There's also that bit where and this was I couldn't decide if this was like cringe or what but the sweet white teacher that's been teaching Ruby trying to explain what slavery was to her trying to explain it as the I guess her way of trying to explain it to a literal six-year-old Again, this is a movie made for, specifically made for young children to watch. So, it's not but, the best explanation. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I, I kind of wanted to be like, sweetheart, this is a six-year-old child in the South, and I don't know exactly who wrote this movie, but even a six-year-old child, a black child in the South is going to know what slavery is by the time they're six. Again, I think that's just for the audience at home. Yeah, I mean, it's like, this is definitely, like, this is the white teacher explaining to the white children who are going to watch this movie what slavery is. And they really pushed it was, for... It was such, it was such yeah. a cringe little scene to me in the beginning, because I was like, there is no way this child does not know what's up. Thank you and very much. They even try to have the teacher be part of this outsider group because she's from the North and it's an all Southern school and they try to do the whole other thing to her too. You know, you're, you, you're not from, you're not one of us. You're not from here. You're from yeah, North. Yankee go home kind of mentality, which I'm not saying does not exist. They try you know. to put it on equal footing as Ruby and that's, a, that's another cringe moment there. Yeah. Um, and, and they make it 
seem like the teacher was brought in specifically to teach Ruby, and I'm not sure that was the case. I don't. Uh, that was another they, thing I could not verify. They make the the way they set it up in in the movie is that none of the teachers want a teacher. In fact, there are quite a number of teachers that are just as angry that she's there as the parents outside are. Yeah, and they even say that teachers resigned rather than teach in an integrated school, which I'm sure probably did happen. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's, you know, inaccurate, but I don't know if that particular teacher was specifically brought in. All that I know was that she was called by the superintendent of schools and said that he wanted to offer her a teaching position and she asked them uh, if it was going to be an integrated or a segregated school and he said is it would it make any difference to you either way and she was like no and she uh, took the job in the in the school and she was, and then everything I've read just says she was the only teacher willing to teach Ruby. So I don't know if they were just calling teachers willing that they thought would be willing to teach in integrated schools because they lost teachers who wouldn't. And they knew, because it says in the movie, and that it is accurate, that her background was teaching on military bases. And that she had taught children of all different kinds of backgrounds. So I assume that that means that the schools on the military bases had been integrated. Because if the companies were integrated, then their children were probably learning together. And probably the military not wanted to hire separate teachers for black and yeah. white children. So it probably meant that they had heard there was somebody with teaching credentials living in New Orleans who had taught on an integrated military base and went, oh, well, if we, in if we send her to a school we're planning on integrating, she probably won't immediately resign. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that for sure because I I haven't uh, been able to to find more deeply on her story than that. Um, but that's that's probably my guess. Uh, and the 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 story the movie doesn't really go far enough into her background uh, yeah. beyond that she's just you know the well-meaning uh, li liberal in the the sense that she's not as hateful toward black people as the <laughs> the uh, the Southerners are, you know, yeah. that we see. That's that's the thing is that we only really see two white families, white you know people that were kind of instrumental to Ruby's story in this movie. Yeah, we have 
Miss Henry, the teacher, Dr. Cole, the psychiatrist, and to a lesser extent, Dr. Cole's wife, who learns how to cook black food. Yeah, and um, I I don't know much about about uh, Mrs. Cole. To, to be honest, she, she doesn't really do much. Again, her whole well, thing no, is, I mean, I just yeah. don't know know much about the real woman. Um, the yeah, movie makes her about- seem like a very wonderful person. Yeah. Uh, and so I mean, no, no offense to the real woman. Um, there's not is, enough. Of, there's, there's not a lot of information about her online. Yeah. Um, I I mean, as of as of this recording. Um, Mrs. Henry, the the teacher, and Doctor Coles, the psychiatrist, are are both still with us. As as being integral to, you know, get getting Ruby integrated and and stuff. They really only show the head head of the the NAACP in the area. Um, who chooses Ruby? Um, uh, Doctor Broyard, uh, who I don't know much about, honestly. Um, then they show uh, Mrs. Henry, her teacher, and Doctor Coles, the psychiatrist. And I don't know what Doctor Broyard's background was but as for the two white people in the story that are spotlighted both of them are well-meaning yankees who have ended up in the south <laughs> because of the the military it seems yeah that's what they, they, they even say that dr yeah. cole served in the military he's yeah. wearing a, he's wearing a military uniform when we first see him yeah, and uh, and then uh, Mrs. Henry, you know, uh, her husband served in the military, and uh, and she uh, taught on military bases. So it it does seem like that's being a bit interesting because. Um, they cut out basically all of the other support, both from the black community and from the white community. And Ruby herself has said that, yes, while there was pushback, mainly from the white community, but also a little bit from the black community, and we see the pushback in the movie, we don't actually see the support from really either community in the movie yeah again it's in, it's it's part of that dramatization and made to give a little probably give a little bit more adversity to ruby in the film for for a narrative sense and also to simplify the movie because this really is a i would dare say oversimplification of the situation yeah but it worked but... as a I, again this is made for a children's audience. This was the movie of the week shown during the family hour Disney, you know, movie. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't want to knock this movie. Cause I actually think it's, it's a pretty decent movie for what it's trying to do. For a nineties TV movie of the week. 
yeah, I mean, for the limitations it had in in the the financing and you know all that kind of production end. However, the thing I liked most about it was that it it showed that Ruby did have a support network behind her, and that it wasn't just like watch what one girl did alone. You know? Yeah, they 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 do their best to spotlight to not make Ruby a Mary Sue. Yes, she's intelligent. Yes, she's clever. But she didn't do it alone. She had the support system. She had members of the NAACP. She had her family. She had her, her teacher. She had the psychiatrist. And yes, other members that are not shown in this movie at all. So it's not, it's just the 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 sense of community, which helps her, which is great. But I wish they, excuse me, I th- you're right. I wish they had showed that more. But I guess that doesn't work in a narrative sense. Again, whenever you watch a biopic, no matter what biopic you're watching of who it is, they always alter events to for a narrative sense. And I think that's what they did here. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there are there are things that I think would work dramatically very well. Eventually, there were supportive members of the community that began to walk behind the cars taking Ruby to school as an escort to counter the protesters waiting for her at the school. You know, that that's a great dramatic moment. You know? If this in, movie in had my, a bigger if this movie it, had a bigger budget and had could hire more extras, you could they probably could have done that. Yeah, I mean they they hired a lot of extras to be the angry people outside, and the, not that money. I mean they they yeah. do some very clever camera tricks to make the crowd look bigger than what it is. Oh yeah, you know they only had like twenty or thirty extras, and they I don't they, even think they that. filmed it. They I filmed th- it to it look like, like in one shot. It looks like there was probably a dozen of people there. Yeah, but, but they, they did use, l- use a lot of clever camera tricks to to make it look larger because the crowds were were rather significant. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, this was New Orleans, mm. so I mean, there 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 were not an insignificant number of people that showed up. Mm. You know, the the sad thing is is that, like you said, I mean. It is easy for us who were not alive then to think of, like, this is ancient history, you know? But it's like, our parents were alive then. Yeah. You know? In some cases, either parents or grandparents, depending depending on where you grew up, were likely the people protesting against their schools being integrated. Yeah, and, I mean... And, and, I, I, ironically, those are the same people trying to make sure this stuff isn't being taught. Because they don't want that to be known. You know, it it's so... It's so interesting because you kind of think that you're... You know, like, oh, you know, well... Even even though we are, you know, that was in the 
the past. And even though some of those people are living, of course, they've learned and grown and everything. But I'll tell you, the first time that I went to an event and was met with people kind of protesting in the way that you see in these images or as portrayed in this movie, which really did, I will give them credit, whatever they told the extras in their portrayal really matches the the photographs and footage from the time. You know, just the absolute vile hatred and anger uh, on the faces of these people that are captured in those images for posterity. To be standing peacefully in a place and to have people shout just the vilest death threats in your face. And we're seeing that still, as I've said, you know, we're doing this during Pride Month. So there are still Pride events. And there's video of it now of people just protesting Pride events, saying the same vile, disgusting, dare I say evil things. Just the target is different now. It's no longer targeted as at just black people. It's targeted to the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. So it's I like, mean the the first time the first time I I had it happen to me the first people that yelled at me in my face were older and I thought like okay well these these people are older you know maybe they just never learned you know so as they're as they're coming by and they're screaming things at you and stuff, and you can just kind of say to yourself, like, all right, I feel sorry for you. You you never learned. And then as things go on and more people show up, and then the thing the thing that hit me about the first time it happened in the group that was there is that suddenly there was a family there. Like it was very obviously like a husband and wife and like three kids from between like, you know, six and 11 maybe. And the parents were probably mid mid thirties to early forties, I'd guess. And they start screaming stuff. And then they grabbed their children and they started teaching them right in front of me how to scream slurs and death threats at people. And I stood there and watched as parents taught their children to scream slurs and death threats at strangers teaching their children to hate which yeah, is mentioned when moments in this movie before the when moments before the children had no idea why why their parents were screaming or mad they were just standing there looking confused 
between their parents and the the group of us across the street, you know? And then suddenly their parents just lean down and they start saying, like, scream this, scream that. And, of course, they're little kids. They're going to do what their parents say. Ruby says in the movie, well, if my mommy told me not to play with another kid, I wouldn't play with another kid because that's what my mommy told me to do. Yeah. and even Because the little boy says, my mommy told me not to play with you because you're an N-word. And she goes like... Well, I felt bad for him, but I understood because if my mommy told me not to play with a little kid, I wouldn't play with that little kid for whatever reason, you know? And that is mommy said so. And that is something the teacher straight up says. You know, those kids, you know, you say the kids don't want to play with Ruby, but they're, they only say that because they were taught to hate by their parents. Those kids didn't know what hate was until they were told it. And even his, from a historical perspective, there are pictures of this era of people bringing their children to lynchings and mobbings and telling their kids to cheer on the death and destruction that's going on. Because, yes, this is what you're supposed to do to whatever. Excuse me. This yeah. is what you're, you know, like, it's. Uh, this is what you're supposed to do to those kind of people. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's one thing to look back at it in a historical photograph and say like, oh, that's, you know, but the first time I ever watched it happen in front of my eyes was like, I went home and was physically ill for days. It's just to, to stand there and watch a parent teach children. And I thought, you know. This was, it was in the town I lived in. Like, and I was like, I'm going to go to the the grocery store tomorrow and probably run into those people. You know, I do not live in a large town. I feel bad because I wonder, like, the thing we never hear about is Ruby integrated And the very next year, you know, we hear everything about that first year, but what was that second year like? Yeah. Like, did any of those kids ever apologize? Did any of those kids ever go like, wow, my my parents were real idiots. Did any of the parents ever apologize? Did did I'm going to poison you, woman, ever send a I'm sorry letter? Like... (laughs) You know, I I always wonder about things like that. I don't know. Probably not. I'm going to let me not. Yeah, I I mean, probably not knowing people, but I I just always wonder, like. Did did at any point this is her in first grade. I mean. Yeah, even in a big town like New Orleans, some of those kids had to have been with her until like grade 12, you know, (laughs) like. So I I just I just wonder about that. Like they do show one of the teachers towards the end of the story kind of changing her mind a little bit. Like she's she's very much against she's the other first grade teacher. She's teaching all the the white kids mm-hmm. in first grade next door to where Mrs. Henry is teaching Ruby. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, when Ruby makes the highest grades, this was the other thing I couldn't verify. 
was at the end of the year, Ruby makes the highest grades on the standardized test or whatever at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And the principal lady or whatever who's been the villain says, well, I'm going to adjust her test scores because she's had private tutoring all year. And, of course, Mrs. Henry says, well, the only reason it was private tutoring was because, you know, you wouldn't let her be taught in a normal class setting. And then she tries to say, well, we, we need to adjust her her grades to more adequately, adequately represent her situation you know basically she's black we can't have her have the highest test scores in the in the in the school we're gonna change that it, it'll make the white children look bad yeah and mrs henry calls her out on it <laughs> yeah like, mrs henry calls her out on it but then so does this other the other first grade teacher and, and she's but, like you know i i know that that ruby did that work you know she's like because she's witnessed it she's witnessed that ruby can you know read really well and you know all that kind of stuff because she's seen her in those moments when her class goes over for you know joint playtime or whatever Mm -hmm. there's a very obvious dub in her speech because she says she busts her hiney but she's clearly mouthing the word ass yeah it's the one thing I wonder if that's the one thing they gave up so that they could keep some of those other racial slurs in there (laughs) I gotta tell you if your child has been raised right and doesn't know some of the uh, other racial slurs they will learn a lot of racial slurs if you show them this movie because they use all of the other ones too not all of them, of course. There are so many. Why do humans do that? But yeah, they yeah as people a, suck. But they they yeah. uh, they use quite a few uh, quite a few slurs that they can get away with saying on TV. Um, for for black people, uh, in this movie, both on protest signs and for. Uh, thing. I gotta tell you, that song they sing about segregation, that was a real song that protesters really sang. You can hear it for a few seconds in, in the movie. The Glory Glory Hallelujah song. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they rewrote it at the time to be about segregation, and that was a real song that really got sung at the time. I was, like, when I heard it in the movie, I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's what we're doing. All right. Um, so, I mean, a, a lot of the, the chants and stuff were authentic to the time because you can hear them, uh, in old news footage and, and stuff oh, yeah. looking back. The thing is, is that the only, the only thing you can really ding this movie on is that it was a TV movie of the week. Like, if this was from a major student, I mean, granted, if Disney had put the budget into this and not just made it a TV movie of the week, but a full, properly budgeted theatrical film, you would get, you know, the better film quality, the better acting, you know, better actors, higher quality, you know, higher rank of, I'm trying to find the right word, 
bigger name actors, you know. Yeah, which is not to discount any of these actors. All of these actors were really good. If just, Even the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the little but, girl who played Ruby was really good, and she's apparently one of those child actors that did acting as a kid and then aged out and went, yeah, I don't think I want to be an actor. It happens. Which is fine, but she's great in this. She's, like, adorable. You like her. You don't feel like she's stilted when delivering lines. Yeah, it comes off very natural. It's just the script is clearly aimed at a younger audience. That's my only... If I had to put a complaint, again, it's the 90s TV quality. It's the script is not it's clearly aimed towards a lot younger than you would think for the for for this clearly tourniquet because this is supposed to fit a two-hour television time slot but with commercials with commercials yeah and there are some very odd uh breaks in there to to allow for commercials you know yeah but the thing is, is that I think if you did this in a very similar way, but theatrically, and for a slightly older audience, there's a few things I would change. I would want to show them more of what was going on in the community, both the black community and the the white community to show the support for her especially in the black community because the the way that they made this it seemed like the entirety of the black community was just against integration and while i know that there was pushback in the black community and i don't want to discount that historically mm-hmm because it is an important part to remember as well. There were people in both communities who were against integration. There were also people in both communities who were for integration. (laughs) You know, it was a very complicated national issue for both the black community and the white community and I kind of wish the movie would have gotten a little more into that interplay in the community. I wish they had, I mean, granted, it just covers the first year, but I would like to have gone a little bit more into the rest of her life. It just, we see the final day of school and then a, a narrator saying that in the 90s, she found the Ruby Bridges Foundation to teach cultural diversity in schools, which, fun, fine, great. I wish we could have gotten, you know, a little bit more of that. Yeah, I mean, she eventually went on um, to get married and have children, and she worked uh, as a travel agent for a while. In her adult life. Mm -hmm. Then she. uh, Has become the. Chair of. The Ruby Bridges Foundation. And spends most of her time. Now. As a. Public speaker. And. A. 
um, advocate for various social causes and, you know, general equality and uh, diversity and educational opportunity for various groups. That has kind of been, uh, from what I can tell, a lot of her her life uh, as an adult. But I would I would kind of like to to know a little bit more about the the years of the actual like first couple of years of of the real integration yeah you know when she wasn't just alone in the classroom but i i know that there was only so much they could show in the in the 90 minutes um for this this movie and that they they really just wanted to to show like i said this this movie is very obviously aimed at early you know elementary school to middle school in the way it's set up and and for that i think it does a marvelous job yeah i do i do not want to discount it at all um but i wish there were a more geared for an older audience you know something yeah. that you could show like high schoolers and adults <laughs> yeah of this story that kind of goes in a little more depth this film feels like it's only scratching the surface but yeah this is but you know what what can you do again for a 90 minute television movie made in the 90s it's it it actually is pretty good it's and it, it tells its message well and tells a great story and it's you know it is a movie that should be shown to children in schools it's taught as part of of you know american history curriculum because this is american history the desegregation of schools and the pushback it got yeah so kiki does ruby bridges have the magic yeah, I think it does, as long as you remember kind of what it was and how it was was made, you know. I agree. I think this is a very good, like I said, this for what it is, for a 90s TV movie that is, it's not, I've seen worse, especially 90s TV biopics. I yeah, I was actually very surprised. I expected it to be a lot less... Uh, truthful than it was because a lot of biopics do take liberties when you're watching a biopic in general you're going to get some fabrication of events and they don't do a lot here at least ones that are not obvious yeah i couldn't i couldn't really find anything that i could say like that didn't happen you know like so so yeah i i would i would, I would definitely recommend it it could have been better, but I've seen a lot worse, especially this era of, of television movies, especially television biopic movies. Yeah, and definitely I think if you have children that are asking about the time, 
you know, that, that want to know what it was like. This is very appropriate for elementary to middle school children. Although I would watch it with them because I think they might have some questions about certain language used. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is not one to like put on in the background and then leave your kid, you know, to to watch by themselves. But if you have if you have children in that age and you want to educate them about that particular time period in American history, this is actually a, a really good one. I don't really have any major qualms with it. So, mm-hmm. so let's move on to next week. Kiki, it's time to get back into the TARDIS as we are continuing our 60th anniversary retrospective on Doctor Who with the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. We are going to be wrapping up the classic series, and uh, yeah, we're see we're going to see how Doc Number Seven turns out. We'll come back next week for the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic, Twitter at Rewatch the Magic, and of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at aclu.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area. Is that uh, good, or do you or do you want to do a third round? I think we can do a do, do that, and you can piece it together from the two. All right, that sounds good. Let's let's stop the recording.